And all the people of God said, Amen. How blessed of God we are to be in this particular place at this particular time to know today that we are not here by accident, nor are we here as the result of some cosmic coincidence. But it is God through his divine providence that has again allowed our destinies to intertwine. How we thank God for the marvelous gift of his son, Jesus the Christ, who is both Savior and Lord. What an honor it is to be with you today. I am belated, um, thankful uh, to Dowell for Dr. Dowell Office, your interim pastor, for uh, recommending me. I'm uh, a bit worried that I had to follow Phil, who is just a loving and endearing person. He kept you laughing. I know if you've been around Phil and shared with you some great truths. And then uh, to have been hosted uh, already this morning by Blaine, it has been a joy. I'm, I'm going to work hard at getting him some structure in life. Um, he actually came out of the house yesterday and picked this pocket square. I was going to wear another one. I said, no, this one would take three minutes to put on. You need it and uh, four seconds to fold. So I, he has been so gracious. Thank you. Thank you for, I, I mean, when someone tells you I'm going to have on gray coats, a uh, gray coat, it's going to be a bit tweed, maybe, you know, you just say, okay, this guy has this stuff together. He has been gracious, and for that I am grateful. I'm honored today to have, I saw Stephanie, Stephanie Stan. I'm grateful to have Stephanie here. Stephanie, I, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say I've, I've known her, I've watched her grow up, and her family has been special to me, and I, her mother and her grandmother were dear to me when I passed in Crockett, and the boys are here. Now, I want you to know I dedicated these boys. They were babies when I prayed for them. Y'all stand up, fellas, so they could. All right. Uh, yeah. I'm glad to see them here. And about, about his beloved Juliet, Shakespeare has Romeo to say, but soft. What light through yon window breaks? It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise, O fair sun. My beloved Juliet is here. Dr. Brenda Anson, baby, would you stand? Amen. Second in my life only to the gift of salvation uh, is she the gift of grace. And the older I get, the more I appreciate her. Man, that's how you stay married and happy. Amen. <laughs> now, my preaching tradition is antiphonal. I, it came from a traditional African-American preaching tradition. Uh, my sermons in the African-American church are longer because they are interrupted with spontaneous outbursts of affirmation. I know that you're not familiar with that call and response, so I'm going to give some subtle clues through, throughout the sermon so that you can help me insert amen here. Did you see, you, you caught that right there. Now for the task at hand, a few scattered remarks, and I will bid you good morning. On August 9th, 1994, I stood and preached the funeral of my three-month-old son. He had died from SIDS, and following that funeral, my mother went home, and every day for three weeks, because of her love for me and her hurt over losing a grandchild, she would go to her room and cry. She would leave her job in College Station, come back to Hearn, where we lived, where she lived at the time, go into her room in seclusion and cry. Finally, that third week, she said that God came into her room, and as audibly as I'm speaking to you, God said to my mother, I took one, I could have taken all three. 
she said that God was saying to her, you've got to learn how to live on what you have left. Truth of the matter is that life is about learning how to live with losing. And if you're going to be on earth, you're going to have to deal with some losses. Those of us who are getting older will confess that we don't have what we started out with. But the comforting word is that even though we don't have what we started with, we've got enough to make it in with what's left. You as a church family, you've got some realizations. You, you, many of you can remember when you were having two services and they were filled, and now they're not. Just because you don't have what you started with doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. And the adjustment in life is to learn to live on what's left. And life deals with us in ways that we think are unfair. We think that God is being unkind to us. We've got two choices. We can fold up and quit right where we are. Or we can, in the words of the Shawshank Redemption character, we can get busy living or we can get busy dying. It's your choice. You've got to learn how to live on what you have left. The Bible has a verse for us this morning. Uh, one, one verse, and it should make for a fairly quick sermon. One verse. Acts the 27th chapter. Acts the 27th chapter. Verse 44. I read from the King James. When I first went to school at the University of Texas, I came back to Hearn, Texas, where I'm from. And I came, I think it was a New American Standard Version, and I read it. I was so proud of what I learned in school. One of the ladies said to me, one of the old, older ladies at the church said to me, now, baby, that's good what you learned in school. But, but, but don't come back with one of those off-brand Bibles. You, you get you a Bible like Jesus read. And... Uh, <laughs> And so I'm, I'm committed to this Bible that Jesus read. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they all escaped safe to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. They were all able to escape safely to land. I want to talk about living on what's left. Spent the last few months down in Port Arthur in, in Houston area, helping churches that have been dealing with storms, only to discover that life is cyclical and what we experience in the words of the writer of Proverbs, there's really nothing new under the sun, that people have been dealing with storms as long as people have been living. Such is the case here in Acts 27, when Paul has been beaten and Paul makes an appeal to go before Caesar. It is in this marvelous passage that we encountered that place where Agrippa says to Paul, you've almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Paul makes the appeal to Rome, and as they're getting ready to set sail, Paul says, now, I don't think this is a good time for us to leave. His authority is overridden, and they decide to go, and when they do, they encounter a devastating storm. First thing I want to suggest to you, if you're going to live on what's left, you've got to understand that life will send devastating storms. Much of Christian preaching today is about how if you have enough faith, you won't have to deal with difficulties. And if you've got enough faith, you don't have to hurt. Such is not the biblical riff. No, if you're going to live, you're going to encounter storms. We don't encounter them because we are Christian, but we don't avoid them because we are Christian. It, it, it's not exclusive to Christians. Look at secular writers. Listen to what Longfellow says when he says, life is earnest and life is real. 
Shakespeare talks about the thousands of natural shocks that flesh is heir to. Langston Hughes says there have been some places where there's no covering on the floor there. Maya Angelou talks about the cage bird standing on broken dreams and reeking of nightmarish dreams. The reality is that life has a way of sending us some storms, and there are some storms that will make you curse. Not, not you because you're a good Baptist, but, but others. But there are some other storms that will make you crumble. There are some storms that will make you want to fight. Others will make you fold in a fetal position. Life has a way of allowing storms to come our way where we will stand and face the devastating diagnosis from a doctor. We will stand by grave that will be as deep as love and as long as life. Life has a way of sending us devastating storms. Even people who tell us that we can avoid them by being having enough faith or if something happens bad, it's because we don't have enough faith, apparently have not read the biography of Jesus. Those people didn't hear that he was a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. That when we looked at him, Isaiah said, there was nothing about him that we should desire him came unto his own, and they rejected him. Jesus' life, new struggle. Listen to the Christian testimony. In this life, ye shall have trials and tribulations. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them from them all. Even though we have devastating storms, the truth of the matter is that God does not allow them to destroy us, only to develop us. This testimony from Paul in this text, as Luke records that the sun and the moon didn't come out, it was dark for days, the sea was tossing, it got so bad they wanted to throw everything and everybody overboard. Life had sent them a devastating storm. Outside of Oracle, Arizona in the desert, there is what is known as Biosphere 2. It was built at a cost of over $200 million. It sits on about three and a quarter acres of land. It is a completely encapsulated man-made environment. It was designed so that when we would travel into space, we would be able to set up camps and live. They experienced uh, a problem at Biosphere, and the problem they experienced was that the trees were able to produce fruit, but they were never able to grow to maturity. They did studies only to discover that the reason the trees did not produce fruit to maturity was because the limbs on the trees had never been exposed to wind or to storms, they could not develop strength. Exciting thing about God is God says, I want your fruit to be more than just to look at. I want it to be good for more than just you. So he allows us to have storms in our life and they do not pervert us. They perfect us. They do not make us bitter they make us better, we will encounter devastating storms. But not only does this text say a word about devastating storms, this text says a word about a divine secret. Paul says, man, when they get ready to throw him overboard, uh, Paul says, here is what we would do well to do. I have received a visitor over in the night, and he, gives, he gave me this secret that says, if we stay with the ship, we will not be destroyed. And can I suggest to you that you and I live in a time 
when people say there is no absolute truth, when people are saying that the time for the church is over and past, but I want to suggest that, that we are blessed by association with the church. Because the promise for God is not that he's coming back for any other organization. And there are those who would run the parachurch groups with the, who think that they have the same assurance, but, but not so. God has promised to come back for the church. People often tell me that there's a lot of bad stuff at the church. I don't go to the church because people are this or that. And I said that would be like saying I don't go to the hospital because people are sick. That's where they go to get better. You can insert an amen right there. The church, the church has some... We, we have some broken people, but it's because we're in the business of repairing brokenness. Paul says, stay with the ship. If you stay with the ship, the testimony is you won't be destroyed. We are blessed by association. I often tell people when people tell me about, oh, there's so much stuff at the church. There's so much mess at the church. There's so much trouble. There's so much this. Yeah, I bet there's some bad people who go by CVS. But I take high blood pressure medicine. I I go because it's the only place I can get the medicine that I need to get better. Stay with the church. You and I have this assurance that God comes to us in the midst of our storm. Says this storm is designed to be temporary. We have a divine secret that God has a way of coming to us. And oftentimes, thank, thank you for that beautiful song, Blessed Assurance. You, you have a wonderful music ministry. I, she, she was saying that we would do well to sing and, and don't let our voices bother us. I said, I, it would be all right if you weren't sounding so wonderfully in that mic. Yeah. I'm often asked by people if I can sing. I tell them I, I have a voice like Barry White, but I sing like Betty White. Um, <laughs> I'm often asked by people who come to the church, and, and, and people will comment about, the church being this or the church being that. We are flawed. We are brutally flawed. But we are beautifully flawed. Because God is continuing to work on us. And you and I have divine secrets from God. He has a way of coming to us in those still hours. Ways we do not understand. Ways we do not know. Has God ever whispered to you? In the midst of your storm, when it looked like all hope was gone, you didn't know how you were going to make it, and God said, be still, my child. You ever been afraid what the morning was going to bring? And what God would do is he didn't make your back stronger, he made the burden lighter. He whispers to us and says, it's going to be all right. You're going to make it through. I've designed you to deal with difficulty. Some years ago when I was pastoring in Crockett, we were having a men's fellowship. And I, I need to let you, ladies, I need to let you in on a secret about men. Whenever men get together, we have to watch a sports channel. We may be watching women's entertainment or the Oprah's network, but when we get together, we're going to turn. And so uh, the men came together, we turned, and on ESPN at this particular time, they were having UFC kickboxing. As we were watching this boxing, there was a Boxer in white shorts and one in blue shorts, and the one in the white shorts was hitting the guy in the blue. He was hitting him pretty hard. And I, uh, one of the deacons, John Amos Jones, said to me, I bet the guy in the blue wins. I said, I bet you $5 that guy in the white wins. And sure enough, the guy in the blue won. So I'm explaining to John why Christians ought not gamble. And uh, <laughs> John said to me, Pastor, 
Don't worry about this. He said, this is a repeat. I saw it last night. I knew who was going to win. <laughs> Can I let you in on a secret? Whatever storm you're in, whatever difficulty there is in your life, I've already seen the script. I've read that in the end we're going to win. I've read that we are more than conquerors. I, I've read that no matter how beaten, how bloodied we are, no matter how broken we are, in the end we are going to win. For we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. We have a divine secret that says all things are working together for our good. It won't be good, but it will work together for our good. This text says a word about devastating storms. This text says a word about a divine secret. But this text says a word about degrees of strength. Paul says that if we stay with the ship, the ship broke. He said that everybody was able to get something, even if they didn't get the same thing. The text says that some of them made it in on broken pieces of the ship. And sometimes it seems in life that all we have to hold on to is broken pieces. That, that what seemed to be so much when we started out seems so small now, but it's enough. We don't all have the same thing. We all have something. And the genius of God is that the way we make it is we make it through community. That God gave all of us something even if it's not the same thing, so that when others need something, they can borrow from us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That God has called us, check history of the church. Whatever great work God has done, he has done in community. If God is the author of the Bible, and we believe he is, he could have given it to one person, but instead he gave it to over 40. When the church was formed, the Holy Spirit came when they were in community. And the great work of the church was done in community. And you and I have been given something so that when others are encountering difficulty, we are there for them. We can say as the song, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. You're my sister. If you're in need and I have, I'm there for you. Because the reality is that life is funny. And, and life is an uneven journey. There, it has mountains and valleys. That, and you and I need each other because if I'm on the mountain now and you're in the valley, I can be there to carry you through. Because I'm not sure all the things that God can or cannot do, but I know one thing he has never done. He has never made two mountains without interrupting them with a valley. That, And if you're on the mountain now, there's a valley before you get to your next mountain. And maybe I'm in the valley now and I need you. We all have something. When I was pastoring, I would often go visit high schools. And when I would go to the high schools to encourage particularly football teams, about doing a great job, I'd go have lunch with the students and I'd go around to different areas. On a particular day, I remember going and I was in the, watching the high school players lift weights as a group of players left. Another group came on and I noticed how the trainers put extra weight on those, uh, put extra weight as they were preparing to lift. And I asked the coach, what had they done wrong that he made them lift more weight? He said, oh, they didn't do anything wrong. These are my guards, my tackle. He said, they're on the front line. I need them to be stronger. You ever felt like sometimes God put more weight for your reps? And you wanted to ask God, God, what did I do wrong? And God said, you, you didn't do wrong. I've got you on the front line. I need you to carry more weight. Insert amen here. Uh, this text says a word 
about a devastating storm. This text has a word about a divine secret. This text has a word about degrees of strength, but it concludes with a word about a distant shore. Paul says through the pen of Luke that when we started on the journey, it was never our intent to stay where we are. What gets us is that too many times we tend to think that this world is as good as it gets. All of our investments, all of our obsessions are with this world. When we are at best, our status on earth is permanent alien resident. We are here, but this is not our home. We are citizens of two worlds, and we are on our way somewhere. We are on a journey, and God has not promised us that the journey would be easy, but he had promised us that our arrival would be safe. Paul says we all made it. You read Acts 28, they arrive at the island of Malta, and when they get there, there's a group of people. And Paul says, to borrow it in the language of the time, in the vernacular of the time, that, that the Greeks would call anybody who was not Greek barbarian. He said, these barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled us a fire. That when they got there, there was a fire waiting. The people fed them. And Paul said, after we had endured the storm, there was a group waiting for us to welcome us to a distant shore. All my friends, this world is not our home. We are on our way somewhere. We are citizens of another country. My uncle, uh, my uncle, who has uh, gone to receive his full inheritance in the Lord, told me that when he was in World War II, he lived on a stipend, but he sent the greater portion of his money to my grandmother in her. I asked him why would he send his mother, would he send his money far away? He said, I knew I was just at war for a short time. I knew that when the war was over, I was going home, and I wanted to have something when I made it home. One of the hardest lessons for me to learn is I keep expecting peacetime benefits when I'm in a warring land. This world is not my home. I'm, 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 I'm sending. With every sermon, with every prayer, with everything I do in his name, I'm sending something to the land where I'm going. And I need to let you in on a secret about storms. Storms are designed to be temporary. They have within them an inherent flaw. They cannot last. As difficult as this summer has been, the truth of the matter is the reason we were able in a summer to have so many storms is that they are designed to pass over. They can't stick around. And you and I are on our way. And you must learn how to endure the storm because there is a place where there are no storms. One hears the songwriter say, Encourage my soul and let us journey on. Though the night is dark and I am far from home, thanks be to God, the morning light appears. The, the storm is passing over. I can live on what I have left because I'm on my way. And when, like these weary travelers in this text, our feet shall strike those shores of everlasting deliverance, and there we stroll down the boulevards of gold, and there at the feet of our Lord surrender our commission. In that land where pain and death and sickness and sorrow are felt and feared no more, in that land, 
where there are no clouds of resistance against the rain of God's skies. In that land, when we shall know him as he is, and our eyes shall him behold, and not another. In that land, oh, they tell me, of a land where no dark clouds rise. They tell me of a home far away. I shall know him as he is. And until that day, I am content to live on what I have left. I may not have what I started out with, but I think I've got enough to make it in.